Hey, Pastor Zach here from the Grove Church, and I'm just excited that you are either streaming or have downloaded a sermon right here from TGC. Um, we're excited that you're here and just excited for you. I pray that it blesses you. But before we do get started, I just one thing I want to chat with you about. One thing I just want to really just plead with you that this would not replace you joining in with God's covenant people um, through the local church. I pray that this would be only supplemental to your growth in Christ and would in no way replace you joining regularly with God's people, sitting under your pastor and serving your brother and sister in Christ. And so if you're local to TGC, I just want to extend the invitation for you to come and join us. We're here every Sunday, 10 a.m., downtown Spruce Pine, right on Lower Street. We would absolutely love to have you. If you're not local, then I just ask and pray that you would find a local body of believers who love Jesus, preach the Bible, and is a place that you can both serve in and find community with. After all, this is God's plan to push back what's dark in the world. The local church is to be a light, and we pray that you would find that. I hope that this sermon blesses you. May God bless you as you listen to the proclamation of his word. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. Fantastic. Um, so proud of you guys. We read an entire chapter of a book, and you guys did so good standing and, and going through it. Proud of you. Um, I am really excited uh, to begin this new study in Jonah uh, this week. We'll be in here for four weeks. Uh, it's a really, really good um, gospel-filled, Jesus-filled book, even though Jesus isn't mentioned throughout it. Uh, but I promise he's in there, and we'll, we'll, we'll find that out. But it's such a good book, um, and, and, it's, and it's a story. Um, it's a story by a prophet, and, and the book of Jonah, most scholars agree, is, is probably autobiographical, which means Jonah wrote it himself, about himself. Um, and so Jonah is writing this book, but it's a really unique book by a prophet, because most books by, written by prophets in the Bible are about primarily the words that God gave them to prophesy. However, this is more of a narrative. It's more of a story about himself. It's, it's Jonah writing a story about himself, and it's a really crazy story, um, and, and honestly, not because of the fish, and we'll talk about the fish next week. We're actually, I know we read that verse today, uh, but we, we won't get there. Uh, we'll, we'll pick it back up next week, but it's a crazy story, and not because of the fish. It's a crazy story because of who Jonah is, um, and what he does, and what God does to Jonah, not because of the fish, but, but really just the whole story. And so, uh, we're going to go back through it verse by verse. I know we just read it. We'll, we'll go through it. We'll kind of, um, I made a pun earlier this week. We'll dive into Jonah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that was good. Um, we will dive into Jonah together. Um, but as we read it, I think sometimes we have this habit, and this isn't unique to me, uh, but we have this habit of reading the Bible like a newspaper. Like it's just these historical facts, and they, they are historical facts. Like we believe, and we'll talk about next week, we believe this is absolutely a true story. It's not allegory. It's not um, an illustration of what God is like. We believe at, here at the Grove this is absolutely a true story. But I want us to read it like it really is something that actually happened. I want us to, to look through it as we read these verses to like kind of picture like if you were making this into a movie, and, and Hollywood loves making biblical stories into movies, but if we were making this into a movie, like what would it look like? Like how would we feel, what kind of sounds would we get when the storm's raging? Like what would that sound like? I want us to really put ourselves in this and, and see this as an absolutely true story because I think the more we see it as a true story and see that it really happened, the more absurd the story is. Um, and the greater God's grace is seen in this story. And so as we go through it, 
I want us to really just kind of picture this. And so Jonah, it says in verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Um, Jonah is someone we see elsewhere in the Bible. Um, We see him in in, in the book of Kings, and we see him prophesy um, things, and and, and those things um, come true. Jonah's a prophet of God. Um, And so he's a man of great privilege, a great honor. Um, And so this is a guy who would have a pretty good life. Now, there's other prophets in the Bible who didn't have that great of lives, okay? Um, Isaiah didn't have clothes a lot of the time. Uh, Other people were sawn in half. And so not every prophet has a good life. But the reason why Jonah probably had a good life, he served under a a, a not-so-great king. And the things that he would prophesy were positive things about the nation. There was other prophets who were saying the nation needs to turn back most of Jonah's prophecy that we see throughout the Bible, and we're not going to get into that because it's not where we are, but most of his prophecy were like pro the nation of Israel, like, hey, God's going to enlarge our lands and our borders and things like that. And so um, the king probably, this is conjecture, probably really liked Jonah because he was prophesying things in in, in the king's favor. Uh, Whereas other prophets would call out against the kings, Jonah was prophesying for him um, and and things. And and it's not necessarily that the, the prophecies weren't wrong, he was just hated a different message um, that was an equally true message. And so, so the word comes to Jonah, and this is what the word was, coming from God. Verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And so Nineveh was a great city. It was this big city. It was 60 miles in circumference. Um, and so what that means is like the border of the city was 60 miles. It might not sound that big today. There are airports that are about as big as that. But back then... This was a huge city. It had a wall all the way around the city. The wall was 100 feet tall, and there was 1,500 towers along the wall that were 200 feet tall. Like, this is a huge city. It's a massive city. It's a great city. Um, The city would be where we would see places like Iran um, and Iraq today. So you think of Israel, Iran and Iraq this way for you guys. Um, it's, it's, It's about 400 to 500 miles um, east of Israel. And so this is, God's calling him to go to this city. Um, this was a, a wicked city. This city, they, they, they invented some, um, some cruel and unusual ways to torture people and kill people. One of the things they would do, because they were in the desert, is to torture people. They would, they would dig a hole, and they put the person in the hole up to their neck, and then, and then bury them, um, leaving their head out. And so before the person would die, um, they would, I mean, they would just go crazy because they had animals and birds and things coming up to their face. They couldn't do anything. They didn't have arms to move. So this was an excruciating way to die. It wasn't a fun way at all. And these are the people of Nineveh. This is the place God called them to do. Um, they didn't like Israel. In fact, later um, in the uh, history of God's people, the people from this area of Nineveh would, Nineveh would actually come and, and take Israel captive. And so they weren't friends of Israel, but Jonah, but Jonah was called to go to them and to call out against them. Uh, it was a huge city. <coughs> Scholars estimate it probably had 2 million people living it, in it at the time. And about 1,400,000 people it took to build the city. It took them 8 years, 1.4 million people 8 years to, to build this city. So it was a huge city. They were the baddest, cruelest city on the face of the earth at this time. And God called Jonah to go there and call out against them. Now, if we could imagine this today, it'd be like God telling us to go to Iran today, where they don't really like Christians, and to call, tell them to repent, go to the middle 
of, of, of uh, Iran and tell them to repent. It'd be like us going to Russia or to China right now where they're persecuting Christians and calling out for the leaders and the people to repent. Like this, it was, it was, it's not good. It's not a, it's, it's an absurd idea. God was asking a lot of Jonah and Jonah didn't want to go. And the interesting part of this story is why Jonah didn't want to go. It's not that he didn't want to go. Like, I understand why he didn't want to go. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand that he didn't want to go. I, I get that. Like, man, I'm on the train to Tarshish with him. Like, I don't want to go to a place where I'm going to get killed or in prison. Like, I get that. But that's not why Jonah didn't want to go. We'll, we'll get there in a couple of weeks, but I want to read it today because I think it's important for us to understand Jonah's heart here. If we turn to chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, we see why Jonah didn't want to go. So Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, what happened in, in, in 3 is Jonah called out. Jonah ends up, I know, spoiler alert, if you thought you were going to get to the end and be surprised. Jonah calls out against the city. The entire city repents and turns to the Lord, and God does not destroy them like he said he would if they didn't repent. They repented, and God shows grace and favor to them. Verse 4, but it deplete, it dis, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He was angry that God showed grace to them. Verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is, this, is, this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew God would be gracious to them. He didn't want God to be gracious to them. It wasn't that he was feared for his own life. It wasn't that this was some absurd call and Jonah was like, I'm going to get killed or I'm not going to be comfortable there. He didn't want the people he perceived as his enemy to be shown grace by God. And he knew God would do it because intellectually he understood God's grace. Intellectually he understood that God was merciful, he was patient, he was steadfast, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. He didn't want God to be gracious to the people of Nineveh because Jonah was a self-righteous, racist bigot. And that's the reality of what's happening here. We see that Jonah, there was a people group, Jonah did not want to receive the grace of God. And I think the reality is we are all self-righteous in this room. We're all self-righteous. We are all like Jonah. Now, now maybe you're sitting here today like, Zach, that's not fair. You don't know me. I'm new here. You don't know me. Okay, I get that. And you might be like, you know what? I'm not racist. I'm not a bigot. I totally get that. Not all of us are racist and bigoted. In fact, probably most of us aren't. But maybe you're self-righteous about that. Maybe you're self-righteous about the fact that you're not like that. And there are people like that, but not you. Maybe you don't think you're self-righteous at all. Maybe there's no way. I'm not self-righteous. I understand the gospel. I understand God's grace. And I want it for everyone. I have to wonder, maybe that's what you're self-righteous about. Could it be that there's times, I'm not saying all the time, but could it be there's times in your life where you so understand the grace of God intellectually that you look down upon people who don't? And might that be the thing that you're self-righteous about? Here it is in my own life. Let me, let me be honest with you guys. I, I moved here t um, 11 years ago, uh, and I became a youth pastor, which paid an incredible $1,500 a year, um, which is hard to live on. That's a year. That's, that's like 100 and something dollars a month, right? That's what youth pastors get paid. So 
Um, if you know one, man, just love on them. They need it. Um, God was gracious to me. Um, I got a, someone in the church gave me a car, um, a 1993 Toyota Camry. I love that thing. Um, but anyway, so that's how much I was making money. So I had to get jobs. I had to get other jobs. So I started working uh, three jobs. I painted houses. I worked for this weird company I never heard of before called Foster Grant. Um, they supplied eyeglasses to pharmacies. So I had like a Toyota Camry with a bunch of eyeglasses in the trunk, and I drive around like three counties and just put eyeglasses in places. Um, and I worked at Walmart in produce, stacking bananas on that beautiful banana table you said. Um, and man, like to be honest, like I worked hard. My dad taught me to work hard. Um, growing up, there, there was this time where my dad didn't want me to do a lot during the summer. So he came up with, the, he had this job he needed me to do. It was move this big pile of sand from this side of our property, about an acre over here to the other side of the property. And, I, and he's like, that's all I want you to do this summer. In my mind, that meant once I get that done, then I don't have anything else to do this summer. So I went as fast as possible moving that sand. And I did it, and then the next day I didn't get up and do anything because I, I, I heard, that's all I want you to do this summer. But what he meant was once I get it back over there, I'm to now move it back over here and keep going back and forth all summer moving the sand because of some incredible thing he was trying to teach me, um, which I never learned until way later in life. <laughs> I just became an angry teenager. That was my summer. So I worked hard. I was taught to work hard. And so I worked hard at Walmart. And I worked, um, I worked really hard. And I smiled. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I did more than what I was supposed to do. And I got a promotion. And I got another promotion. And I got a promotion. And so I became a manager at like 20 years old at Walmart because I worked hard. And I was really proud of myself. Um, we became homeowners really early in our life because of how hard I thought I was working at Walmart. Uh, I then got a job at Apple, and I started at the very bottom of Apple and, and got uh, a promotion. I got a promotion. I got a promotion. I left Apple um, at a really young age. I was over uh, at the, at, at near the end of when I left Apple, I was over like 120 people. I had six managers, and, and, and most of them had degrees I couldn't even pronounce, and I hadn't gone to college. And so I was really proud of myself. Like, I worked hard to get where I was, and I had zero pity for people who didn't work hard and who couldn't do these things and complained about the jobs they had or that they had to work at Walmart, and I had zero empathy for them because I was self-righteous. I thought, if you would just do what I did, you'd be fine. If you would just learn to smile and work hard, then you'd be fine because I thought I did it. But the reality is I didn't have any good thing that didn't come from the Father. And I had everything that I had because God was gracious and merciful towards me because there's nothing more contrary to the gospel than all the good things in your life is because you earned it. The gospel is you could never earn those things and God has freely given his own son so you could have eternal life. Not that you've earned it, but he's freely given it. So that's what I was self-righteous about. I wonder for you, where's your self-righteousness? How are you like Jonah, because if we're honest, at this point of Jonah's life, I think we all have some Jonah in us. We're all like Jonah. And when God is going to reveal that self-righteousness to you, you're going to do one of two things. And those things will really determine in your life and be diagnostic for you on whether you understand the gospel or not. Because when God reveals this to you, you will either run to God in repentance because you know that he's, you, you know and you know that he's loving and steadfast and will forgive you. Or you will be like Jonah and you will run as far as you can 
from God. Because if Israel's here and Nineveh's way over here, Tarshish was as far on the other side of the world as they knew back then. Tarshish was in Spain. So you're talking about going the exact opposite direction as far as he could. So he, he, he determines, I'm going to go to Tarshish, the furthest city I know I could get to, and I'm going to go down to Joppa, and I'm going to try and see if I can get there. And so we're either going to run to God in repentance or we're going to run from him. But if God loves you, he will reveal this to you. And so this is what happens. Jonah goes down to Joppa. We'll pick it back up um, in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship to Tarshish. Let me just stop for a second. Um, I promise we'll get through all this. But let me... Jonah (laughs) wants to go to Tarshish and he goes to Joppa and just there happens to be a ship to Tarshish there. I get nervous sometimes. Like nervous is the right word. I get nervous sometimes when I talk to some people and the way they hear from God and the way they follow God is through open doors. That's their primary way they hear from the Lord is through, is through walking through open doors. Well, Jonah wants to go to Tarshish. He goes to Joppa, and there's an open door to Tarshish. And it's just open. Is that what the Lord wanted him to do? No. There will always be an open door to do what you want to do. Women, if you are frustrated with your husband, there will always be an open door for another guy who's going to make you feel good doesn't mean you walk through it. Men, if, if, if what you like to do is fantasize, there will always be an open door on your computer. I don't care what kind of software you put on or what you try and do, there will always be an open door. We need to be obedient to God's word above and beyond what we feel like God is showing us through open doors. So I just get nervous sometimes. That's the, if that's the way you hear from him and not hear but you're just like, man, this door is open. I'm going to walk through it. That's not always what the Lord wants us to do. Okay, let's get back to the notes. Um, that was free. You guys can have that. Um, so Jonah goes to Tarshish, happens to be a boat there. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the, the, the ship threatened to break up. And I've heard Jonah preach so much, and almost always, not always, almost always, this great wind that is hurled upon the boat is almost always preached as some sort of God's anger or wrath towards Jonah for running. And that couldn't be further from the truth. This is God's mercy on Jonah. Jonah's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord, and God's saying, I will not let you get away from my presence. It would be God's wrath if Jonah, trying to run from him, says, all right, go ahead. Get away from me. I don't want you around me anyway, if you're going to have an attitude like that. In God's mercy, and through his grace, he stops Jonah from running. Sometimes the storms, the things that happen in our life, we blame on maybe I didn't read my Bible enough or I didn't do this enough or, or God's not loving and gracious. He's letting this happen even though I did everything I was supposed to. We need to see, and I talk about this all the time, but we need to see that maybe that's God's grace. Maybe it's his mercy that's drawing you closer to him. Even though it looks like trouble and it looks like this great storm that's threatened the ship, maybe it's God's mercy. Maybe it's his grace. 
Because when, when, you, when you see Jonah's heart, and, you, and if you believe like we do that God is sovereign and he's all-knowing and he can do anything he wants, then you have to think for a second, just for a second maybe, why would God even choose Jonah if he knew Jonah wasn't going to go? Why would God choose this self-righteous guy? And I wonder if it has to be because he knew he wouldn't go. And he wanted, and he knew that Jonah has not been transformed by the gospel, even though he knows the grace of God. It has not fallen to his heart and transformed his life. But he intellectually knows it. He, know, he wants to show God, he wants to show Jonah, I'm sorry, he wants to show Jonah his mercy and his grace so that it transforms him. So he chooses Jonah because he knows that he'll run, and he knows that he will throw this storm at him. And so verse 8, then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. Just real quick, as we're picturing this, like if mariners are afraid, like this is bad. This isn't just like, man, there's some, you know, like we just went on a cruise, which I thought was really timely going, through, you know, studying for Jonah. Because we're in the middle of this sea and uh, we've been on a lot of cruises. And this is the first time Margie ever got sick, seasick. Um, we, were on the, we were on the 11th floor, the very front of the ship, so like every bump, like, we were really feeling, and it was, like, it was the choppiest cruise we have ever been on. Um, didn't bother me at all, but Margie was, like, in a room a lot. Um, so, we had a like, really good time. But, if mariners are afraid, like, if the, if the captain started getting worried about the cruise ship, something's gone terribly wrong. Like, this isn't just, like, a little tiny storm. It's kind of rocky. Like, this is bad. And so, the mariners are afraid. They're crying out to their own gods, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten up for them. Their one job was to get the cargo across the sea, and now they're throwing it. So, like, just you got to imagine, like, this is the desperation these guys are in, is we're going to lose our jobs, we're going to lose all the money, we're going to have to pay for all the stuff we're throwing in, but we want to survive. This is how bad the storm was. They hurled the cargo into the, into the, uh, that was in the ship, into the sea, to lighten it up for them. But Jonah had gone down the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Don't we do that sometimes when we're in the middle of stuff? We just like, sometimes the way we run, maybe isn't getting on a ship to Tarshish, although it is. Sometimes we just, we just run from it by sleeping so much. We just Netflix binge and sleep ever all our worries away because we think that's going to work. Um, for a long time, I wonder, like, how could Jonah sleep through this? And then, and then I was reminded by a pastor that oftentimes we sleep through our troubles because we want to forget them. Um, and so Jonah's just sleeping. The captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. In verse 7, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Busted. Right? So like, Jonah, like, Jonah knows what's going on at this point, I'd have to imagine. The captain comes and talks to him. Jonah doesn't say anything. So they, like, do this. They, do this, they cast these lots, and, and basically it's like a game uh, where you kind of see, like, you know, draw, it'd be like the equivalent of us drawing short straws. So Jonah draws the short straw, and now everyone knows, all right, this whole thing is Jonah's fault. Jonah's busted. Like, everyone looks to him like, what did you do? Why are, you're the reason we're all about to die. So Jonah's there. And Jonah starts to get truthful here in a second. But, again, the casting of the lots, Jonah's getting busted, is part of God's grace. Sometimes, um, specifically some men I, I can think of, come to me and they're like, they want some prayer because their marriage is jacked up. 
I'm not sure they realize what they're asking because a lot of times my prayers, man, I just hope they get busted in their sin and like what's going on in their life. Because it's when God just busts you that you can see his grace and turn to him and turn away from what's jacking up your marriage. Like some, some, some people I know, like they're, they're, um, I just pray like, God, I know this couple, that they, they say they love you, but they're not married and, they're, and they're, they're having premarital sex. And Lord, I just pray that you would just bust them in their sin. That you would just, just reveal this to, to people that they could call them out and, be, and hold them accountable. Because here, I'm not saying I want bad things to happen to them. But I don't want them to continue running from God in their disobedience and their sin. And so if the only thing that's going to change them, the only thing that's going to turn their hearts back to God is just revealing it and shining the light on it. And let's, let's do it. Even if it's painful. Even if Jonah now has all these angry pagan mariners with other gods staring at him like, you're the reason we're about to die. Even if that's the case, let's, let's pray for that. So God busts them, busts him. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So they're trying to figure out what is going on. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come to you. So, so Jonah's sin, his disobedience, his running, his shame have driv- has driven him so far into depression that he's like, just kill me. Just throw me into the sea. And it'll end for you. And it'll end for me. Maybe there's people here this morning whose shame has driven you to that. I know it has for me in my own life, and depression is something I've struggled with my entire life and continue to, to struggle with. But if you're here this morning, like there's hope for you. Like we can see God's grace chasing Jonah. Jonah's trying to get as far away from God as possible, and God loves Jonah so much that he's not only putting Jonah's life in danger, he's putting everyone around Jonah's life in danger to get Jonah. Like, God is chasing Jonah. And maybe you're here, you're like, man, I wish God would chase me like that. You're here this morning. Could this be God chasing you like that? Could the fact that you're here be the the, the very thing God's doing to stir up into your heart that he says, man, I am gracious towards you. I love you. I want you to follow me. Like, you've been running from me, and I'm chasing you. I've called you, and now you're here hearing about a story about a man being chased. There's hope in this kind of depression. There's hope in this kind of shame about what we've done and the, and the, and the circumstances that our sin has caused. There's hope. Nevertheless, the men, the men verse um, 13, they didn't want to kill Jonah, so the men rode harder and harder to get tried to... Be, try to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more chimptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, and if in your Bible it has the word Lord in all capitals, which means this is the covenant name of God. They're not, just, they're not just saying God in general like they would say to their own gods. They're using God's covenant name that was given to Israel. That's why it's in all caps. It says, O Lord, let us not perish for this 
man's life and lay not us on, in, us, on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Don't miss the irony here. Jonah's running from God because he doesn't want God's grace to go to pagan people. And God uses that running to bring his grace to pagan people. God can do anything he wants. God is sovereign over all people at all times and all places. And Jonah does the very thing he's trying to avoid by avoiding it. God's going to use you, no matter what you do, for his glory. Let him use you through obedience, please. Like, please don't, don't make him use you out of disobedience to bring glory to him. Like, let you be a trophy of his grace instead of something else. This is good news for us. This whole, whole entire thing is good news for us. Because if God loves you, then he's going to chase after you. If you're running from the Lord and he loves you, he's not going to throw his wrath at you as much as he's going to throw his grace at you, even if that is painful, even if that, even if that busts you in your sin. And he will use you. Man, God is good. This story is incredible. Let, let's get comfortable for a second. Um, because we're, we're about to end um, in, in, this, in this first chapter. But I want us to think about what this book means for us as a church and for us as a people. Um, I think we, we spend a lot of time talking about what it means for you individually. Like, like, you can come to God. And I want you guys to really rest in that for a while. You can, turn, you can run to him. You don't have to run from him. God is, if God's going to be gracious to the Ninevites, he's going to be gracious to you. You can run to him. But what does it mean for us corporately? Like, how... Because the heart of the story of Jonah is God's great love for people, right? His great love for Jonah, but also his great love for a city. And it's my contention that God loves Spruce Pine as much as he loves Nineveh. And God loves Burnsville as much as he loves Nineveh. Bakersville, if I'm missing, if you have like one of those weird towns like Ledger or Micahville, I'm missing, I'm sorry. But like all these, there's just too many little things, Estito and all this stuff. Um, God loves this area. And God's doing something here. So, so next week, we're going to celebrate three years as a church. We, we, we launched three years ago, 2016, February 10th. Um, and so Sunday doesn't land on February, February 10th. So we're going to celebrate on a different day. But it's fine. No, I'm sorry. February 7th. Sunday does land on February 10th. I got it mixed up. Um, and so we're going to celebrate next year three years as a church. Um, and and God's, God, God's done some amazing things in three years, and it's looked different over the course of three years. Like, we started as a Sunday night Bible study. And I, I'm not going to rehash the entire pastoral prayer thing I did um, a couple weeks ago. But we started as, like, a Sunday night Bible study. We moved to Sunday mornings, and uh, we were in our house for a while. We had 13 people, and out of faith, we moved into this bar with 13 people. Look around. There's a lot more than 13 people here. But try to imagine, like, me standing in the same spot just talking to 13 people, and some of them are trying to be with kids, and so there's, like, really, like, seven or eight like, it was, it was awkward for a little bit, um, preaching to eight people, um, standing. We should have just, like, been in a circle. So I don't know. The point is, God's doing something here 
And I'm not ready to say he's done yet. Like, I don't think he's done. I know it's been three years, and, and we've grown over the past, and this isn't what it's all about, but over the past uh, three, three and a half months, we've been at around 65 to 70 people here. Um, we have 58 people signed up for home groups. We have 63 chairs. Uh, a lot of people are sick today still, um, so we do have some empty chairs around us, but most Sundays we don't. And so we've been praying for a while, like, God, what do you want us to do? How are we going to reach this city? Are we done? Is this it? Do we close the door and just pray the fire marshal doesn't come? Like, is this what we do? And say, no one else can come in because we're full. Or, or are we going to move somewhere else? Or are we going to do something else? And so we've been praying for a while, God, what would you have us do? Because we believe you love this town. You love the next town over. You love this area. All of it. And we want to reach it. We want to be obedient. We want to reach it. And, and, and what, we, what, we, what we're doing is, is on April 21st, which is Easter, we're going to move to two services. And from that point on, we'll be at two services to make more room for more people to come and worship together and praise the Lord together. And so um, I'm announcing it today. Some of you guys already know about it because I was trying to figure out what you guys would think about it. Um, but we're going to move to two services in about a, a month and a half, two months. Two, two and a half months, rather. Um, and I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about the fact that we have to move to two services. Like, we just can't make more room in here. There's people sitting on weird chairs over here right now. They probably could come over here if they wanted to, but I guess they don't want to for some reason. Um, but, like, we're going to move to two services, and so uh, we'll no longer have a service at 10 o'clock. We're going to have a service at 9 and 11, and so it's going to be changed, okay? But, but the book of Jonah has been on my preaching calendar for a year. And I am just amazed at God's providence, that the, the time in which we need to announce that we're going to two services is while we're in a book about God talking about how much he loves a town or a city. And so I want us to, to, to look at this change, because this is going to be a big change for us. I get that. It's going to be a big change. We're gonna, some, you know, you're not going to be able to come here at 10 anymore. You're going to have to choose 9 or 11. We'll talk about what that looks like here in a second. But it's going to be a big change. Well, the reality is our church has always been changed. Every couple of months we're opening up a new kid's room. Um, we're asking for, for more volunteers. Um, we're moving out of living rooms to bars. We're moving back into living rooms with home groups. Like, there's constant change here because God's doing something. Like, you guys need to realize this. And I'm not trying to talk about me or the church, but, but about God. Like, God's doing something special here. The fact that we're growing, the fact that we're seeing lives change. Like, God's doing, the fact that we're baptizing men and women up here. Like, God's doing something. And I just don't, I said this already, but I just don't believe he's done. And so we're going to make room for more people to come to where guests and visitors don't have to stand or don't have to ask you um, if they could, you know, you don't have to get up and get up for them. So we're going to make some more room. So we're going to move to 9 and 11. This won't start till April 21st. It'll be Easter, which is usually a big day. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it that day. Um, and then we'll do it going forward. And man, I'm excited. It's going to be a big change. It means for some of you, we're going to be asking some more of you. Uh, we're going to ask you to serve in some ways that maybe um, haven't served or are served more often. But here's the good news about having two services. Some of you guys have said things like, Zach, I love serving in kids' ministry, but I hate missing the service. You don't have to do that anymore. You can serve in one service, and you can attend the next service. I know that means you'll be here for longer, but I, I mean, you guys stay here like an hour and a half after the 11 o'clock, or the 10 o'clock's over anyway. 
So you're just going to be here about the same amount of time. You just might go to lunch right after church instead of staying around for an hour and a half. I think people will still stick around, and we're just going to be here forever on Sunday mornings. But I love that. So we're going to ask some more of you. Some of you, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some cards you can fill out um, telling us what services you can go to. So if you can go to both, you'll tell us, hey, I could go to either one, or I'm willing to go to one and serve to one, or I can only make this one. And then we're going to try and coordinate how, who, who's going to come to 9 o'clock for the first four months, who's going to come to 11 o'clock. And, and I know some people are right now even thinking, man, I'm not going to see my friends at church anymore. I might not see my friends at church anymore. I'm not going to know everyone at church anymore. Well, I would contend, first of all, you don't know everyone at church right now. I think a lot of people found that out in their home groups this week because they're like, oh, man, I didn't know this person existed. But here they are sitting across from me on someone's couch. And you will continue to see your friends. Because our services are at 9 and 11, people get here early and people will stay late. And you'll cross over and you'll see your friends and you will see your family at home group. There's going to be some things that are going to change, but a lot of things won't change. This is still going to be one church, two gatherings, and four home groups. That's what we're going to be. And I am excited about it. Amy, our uh, kids ministry director, she's excited about it. We're going to do this, and I think it's going to um, reach more people. We'll have diff- two different service times people can choose from. And so, there, man, there's a laundry list of things I could say. Ultimately, this for the Grove is going to be what's going to allow us to love this area more consistently, and we're going to serve this area. So for some of us, it's going to mean doing things that are uncomfortable. For some of us, it's going to stretch us a little bit. But ultimately, if, our mis- if we're going to stay true to our mission, we want to see this entire area love God, enjoy God, and glorify God, then we're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable for us. If God can ask Jonah to go to Nineveh, I think it's okay if we go to two services. So next week, here's what we're going to do next week. Uh, Next week, we're not going to two services, but next week, we are going to have a lunch after church. Um, The lunch will be two things. We're going to celebrate three years at the Grove, Um, so I have like a little birthday party uh, as a church, so come to church next week. Don't make lunch, lunch plans. Stay here for lunch. Sherry's going to help us cook. She's an amazing cook. Um, and so we're going to enjoy that. You're right here. I don't know why I pointed over there. Because there's food of yours over there. That's why I did that. Um, and so we're going to enjoy good food, and we're going to celebrate together. I think Dustin said he's bringing a cake or something. I don't know. Like, we're going to have fun. Um, and, and we're going to have a, a, a Q&A about two services. I know some of us are going to have concerns about two services. Some of us are going to have questions about two services. We're going to want to know more. And so next week, while we're eating, uh, myself and a couple of people will be up here and just be able to answer your questions, talk honestly. Uh, If you have concerns, we want to address those concerns and talk about those concerns. Um, But my hope really is, I don't want to hear, I don't want you to hide your concerns if you have them, but my hope really is you would be as excited as I am about reaching this community and doing whatever it takes to reach this community. So next week, we're going to enjoy a celebration. Margie's calling it 321. I'm putting it on her in case, it, like, if, if, if the idea sucks, it's on her, but if it's good, we can celebrate it. Um, but we're going to call it 321 because it's three years, two services, one church. Um, and that's what we're going to be going, you know, for this next year. We'll be, we'll be a church that's three years old. We'll have two gatherings, and we'll have one church, though. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, uh, I, I just want you guys to know 
there are 15,000 people, 15,072 people in Mitchell County, 17,744 in Yancey County, 17,536 in Avery County, and God loves them. And every single one of those souls needs Jesus. And there's a lot of good churches out there, but all of them together still couldn't fit that many people in there. So we are going to continue to plant churches, and want, we want to plant churches in those counties. But in the meantime, we're going to enlarge our space by going to services to reach more and more of those souls. Um, so I'm going to pray for us here in a second. We're going to go to singing, and we're going to go to um, the Lord's Supper. And uh, as we go to the Lord's Supper, our, my prayer really is that we would just celebrate all that God's done in our lives, individually. So we talked for a while there about what cor- corporately what, what this book means for us. But individually, God either has chased you, is chasing you, um, or is about to chase you as soon as the service is over. So man, I just, I just want to pray that if, if God has chased you and God has, has really revealed the gospel to you in a way that transformed your life, come up today and celebrate that by taking the Lord's Supper. Celebrate all that he's done through the cross um, to change your life and to bring you joy um, and, and forgiveness and remove that shame and that kind of depression that Jonah felt that he um, bore that on the cross for you by having his body broken, his blood spilt. So um, we're going to pray. If you're not a Christian, uh, my, my prayer is that you just wouldn't come up for take. Just no one's going to judge you if you don't come up. Just stand. You can sing with us. Um, but this is something that's a symbol for those who have received the blood uh, of Christ through the gospel. And so we just ask that that would be for them only. Um, but I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll transition into that. Father, I just, uh, God, I'm just, I'm really excited about what you're doing here, Lord. Um, I'm excited about the book of Jonah. I'm excited about going to two services. I'm excited to reach more people for your glory and for their joy. Uh, and I'm just thankful that we get to be a part of it, Lord. Um, or my throat and my soul would be content preaching once a week. Um, but I'm excited to the privilege to preach twice. I'm excited to get to know more people. I'm excited to, to get smaller as we try and, and reach more people. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would just bless it. I pray that you would continue to guide us as a church uh, as we reach this town, Lord, um, and reach the surrounding towns, that you would guide us. Um, and we wouldn't, just, we wouldn't just walk through open doors. We would prayerfully and through fasting just seek your face and seek your will um, and walk humbly um, under that. Lord, I love you. I want to pray here for people who... Um, are going to come and celebrate the Lord's Supper, Lord, that you would just give in their hearts a, a spirit of joy and all that you've done for them, Lord. They can look back and see how you've chased them in their life and how you've um, been gracious to them. And they could celebrate that, Lord. And there's people here today who, maybe like Jonah, maybe they're currently still running from you, God. Uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're still in that shame and depression of what, your, what their sin, the circumstances their sin has created, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would even, even now just work in their hearts and reveal the gospel to them, Lord. God, I love you, and I trust you. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.